Man, that proverb, uh, if you take anything from it, don't be a fool. (laughs) Right on? Don't be a fool or a lazy fool at that. It's a powerful proverb. Um, This morning was the last day of our reading of Proverbs. Um, on Sunday mornings for, since February, we've been, we've been reading Proverbs every Sunday morning. Whatever the date was, we read that proverb. And today's the last day. We've gone through all the Proverbs. There's been two chapters that we overlapped because that's the way the month fell. And so I am so proud of our church here because not one man did I use over again. It was individuals who have, for the most part, never been up here before that were reading, that were scared to death to see your faces as you're like glaring at them <laughs> as they're reading. And they were so nervous thinking they're going to mess up. And I would, I would tell a lot of these guys, no, people are just glad that you're up there and they're not. <laughs> and I'm sure many of you guys, when I did ask you, because some of you guys was like, uh-uh, uh-uh, can't do it, won't do it. Can't do it. It's like, I'm just asking you, if I can read up here, you guys can read up here. No, 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 I can't. It's like, so I understood. I didn't press the issue. But I am so proud of every one of you men who have uh, manned up, basically. Not that you other ones that didn't man up aren't men, little girls. But (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Maybe not. but, But be that as it may... We have gone through the book of Proverbs. I, I, I've encouraged us as a church at the beginning of the year, we should go through Proverbs all year. There's, there's 31 Proverbs, one for every day. And so if you took that challenge, we are in the what 10th month of the year. You should, you, you should be in Proverbs. This should have now been 10 times that you've read Proverbs or been reading Proverbs with us. And if you haven't... You still have time. There's still a couple months left of these this year, and I'm already praying. What am I going to challenge with you? Challenge you guys for next year? There's stuff in my pea brain that's floating around right now, but I'm praying it over to to challenge you guys with. And so I have just been proud all the way around uh, of people that have been coming up to me that are reading Proverbs on a regular basis who have never done it. That is just changing their life, man. And I will tell you, it changes your life. Proverbs does. It's the wisdom of God. It's the book of wisdom. And man, if you're reading it every day, every day, there's wisdom being poured out from that word into your heart. Whether you believe it or not, it will come. And so I couldn't be more excited. And so um, again, man, I'm just stoked about the Proverbs reading Um, tonight. I am so excited about tonight. We have we are talking about marriage. I hope you guys enjoyed that little clip that was up there about the two couples that just married and they're like arguing already. It's like, I got couples that are going to be sharing that are all probably, I think, yeah, all of them have been married over 30 years that are going to be sharing tonight. So if you've been married, if you are married, if you want to be married, you should be here tonight. And just a, It's going to be a, a fun time of these couples just opening them, their lives up to you and some question and answers afterwards so here we is a couple of weeks ago i gotta tell you guys this as we start off this morning a couple of weeks ago we were in first john chapter three and that's where we're at uh in first john and i started off that morning and it was a couple of weeks ago because i was gone last week but a couple of weeks ago i said um that we would be finishing off 
chapter that chapter that morning, and we did, we did. I didn't, um, and, and so this morning you would think that we would be going or starting John chapter four. You'd like to think that, wouldn't you? But we're not. <laughs> we are back in First John chapter three. Now I didn't lie to you the other Sunday when I told you that we would finish it. We did in that sense. Um, that morning, I, I, I just read to you, though, the last three verses of that chapter, and I read them to you through the amplifier, but I didn't pontificate on them. I didn't, I, I, I didn't expound a lot on them because I was running out of time, quite frankly, and I just thought, well, we're done. We're done with chapter uh, three. We will move on. But as that week went on, and as I was preparing for our Thursday night Bible study, which we were doing the last part of Romans 13, and that's where we're at in, 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 on Thursday night, our midweek study is in the book of Romans. And we were doing the last portion of chapter 13. And it brought me back, as I was studying for that, it brought me back to those last three verses that I had just kind of read through that Sunday morning. And so I decided, I didn't finish really chapter 3 with you guys. We, we read it, but we didn't finish it. And so if you will, turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3, as we finish for real um, this chapter. <laughs> and once you make your way over to John chapter 3 or 1 John chapter 3, hold your place there. And then go over to Romans chapter 13, as we will be in both places this morning. I, I, I want to read. I want to read to you the portion of of Romans 13 that triggered the thought of going back to the last three verses of First John chapter three. What I want to do is tie the portion of Romans in with First John to, to help us understand just how important it is to be pleasing in His sight. To be pleasing in His sight is the title of this morning's message. When we do those things that are pleasing in His sight, we find that the consequences for that obedience is answered prayer. Now, I hope I got your attention on that last part. Answered prayer? What? Tell me how. Well, let's be in Romans chapter 13, verses 8 through 10. It says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For love, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment are summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, for those of you who were here on that Thursday night a couple of weeks ago, a week and a half ago or so, um, 
this is, or partly, this will be a rerun for you. <laughs> if you were here, you're thinking, ah, I sat through it already. It's a rerun, okay? But maybe, just maybe, God really wants to speak to you because He was trying to speak to you a couple of weeks ago and you're going, oh, love again. <laughs> and you just kind of like, whatever. And God's going, no, I'm going to speak to you again. And so just take it as a rerun, a reminder once again that God really wants you to get this, okay? So because of that, we will be in Romans 13 for a bit this morning. But now turn over and keep your place over in Romans 13. Turn over to 1 John chapter 3 to our text this morning. And don't lose your place over in Romans And you know that normally when we're at the end of a chapter, I will read you the whole chapter. But this morning, we're not going to read the whole chapter. We're just going to read from verse 10 to the end of the chapter of 1 John 3. And as I read, please take note of the times that you hear the Apostle John talk about love, love towards one another, love towards the brethren, something to that effect. And the cause and effects of it as we read through it in the positive sense and in the negative sense of when he's talking about love or the opposite of love, which is hate in that sense. Because there are consequences to all of this. And so 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 10, it says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brothers, or my brethren, If the world hates you, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we have that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Verse 22. And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments. And do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is the commandment that we should believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. Now, He who keeps 
his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. So now that we have this better understanding this morning of love and loving one another, it's fresh in our minds right now as we have read it, gone over it. If we want to be pleasing in His sight and get our prayers answered, let us do what He has commanded us to do, and that is love. We're going to talk about love so much that you're going to be walking out of here and hopefully love is just permeate whatever it's sticking in your brain. Permeating in your brain. It's just floating around there. Love is the caveat, the qualifications, the requirement to be pleasing in His sight and in getting or to getting your prayers answered. Love is the key for all of that. Everything that we've just read and covered, love is, is, is what propels that if we are loving one another. And that's why we're going to be, and, and if we're going to deal with those two things about, about being pleasing in the sight and getting our prayers answered, then, then let's hang out in Romans chapter 13 just for, for, for most of this, well, for the first part of the study, however long the study lasts. But let's go back there. Now, when I was in Romans chapter 13 a couple of weeks ago and studying this, I felt like I was teaching a Sunday morning and going through a portion of 1 John with the Apostle Paul talking like the Apostle John. Now, it's not like Paul did not like the topic of love, but he wasn't known for being the pastor or, or the Apostle of love. John was known and referred to as the Apostle of love by historians and by, by commentators and stuff like that. You know, he has that love connection, if you will. He talks so much about love in his writings in comparison to Paul in his writings that wrote a lot more. John, I mean, he just talked about it all the time. And so, in the first part of, of, of Romans 13, the Apostle Paul is dealing with the subject of being in subjection to the governing authorities and owing them what is due to them. And, 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 and in verses 6 and 7 of chapter 13, he says, Because of this you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually, continually to this very thing. Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes is due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, and honor to whom honor. And so, if we go to now the text that we're in in Romans chapter 13 and verse 8, the context there in Romans 13.8 has nothing to do with owing anybody money. But it's almost like something got triggered in Paul's mind as he's talking about paying the governing authorities what is due them. Something triggered in his mind about love. And that we should owe no one love. The context in this verse, of verse 8, is that we are not to owe anyone love. 
We don't, we, 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 we can, in other words, we cannot have an outstanding balance when it comes to loving other people. We cannot be like, well, I just haven't done it yet. It's like, no, you cannot be like, you, you, you cannot be outstanding in that debt. He's saying you cannot owe love. You need to pay it right now. You can't wait and say, well, I will love them tomorrow. <laughs> I will, I will love them next week. He is not saying, he says, you cannot do that. Owe no one anything except to love one another, he says. You cannot do that. Love is not ours to hold back. We can't hold back love. Not from what we are being commanded, and that's what I want to get across today, that we cannot hold back. When we hold back payment in the physical sense, in the financial sense, from someone to whom we owe payment to, we are in violation at that moment of withholding what is their due in the physical sense. I hope you follow me, what, what I'm talking about here. That, that, that in the physical sense, when we're holding back, we're violating what we are owing them. And we are doing them wrong, whether they're a person or a corporation, if we're not paying our payment, withholding it, we are doing them wrong, and thus we are in sin because we're doing them wrong. So how can we be pleasing in His sight, in God's sight, and, and, and why should our prayers be answered if we are in direct violation of what He has commanded us to do? We are not to hold back. To hold back love, just like holding back payment in the physical sense, to hold back love from anyone is to be in direct violation of what we owe them. We are holding back their due. They deserve to be loved. And I know some of you guys are like, oh no, they're not. According to you. Right? We are holding back what is due them. And in doing so, we do them wrong. And thus, we are in sin. And so again, if we want to be well-pleasing in His sight, and we are not paying our debt in love, why should our prayers be answered? If we are in direct violation of what He has commanded us to do. Honestly, think about that. If we are being commanded to love and don't hold back, and you have people in your life, and you have issues in your life that you're holding back because, oh man, they've hurt me, and they don't deserve to be loved, then why should your prayers be answered, honestly? Why, why should they? If you're, you are in direct violation of the command. How, how or why should anyone be rewarded for not doing what they have been commanded to do from God, from His Word. It's straight up. I'm not making this up. I read it to you right here. We are in direct violation when we hold back. Now, some people do not pay their payments in the physical sense because they have nothing to pay with. For whatever reason, they don't have it. They don't have enough to pay it, and so they're not paying their payment for whatever reason. But we cannot use that excuse when it comes to love. 
We can't. Now, some can and will say, well, I just can't love them because I don't have any love to give them. And it sounds pretty legitimate, right? When somebody has done you wrong, when somebody has hurt you in such a way that your love for them has stopped, it sounds pretty legitimate that you're saying, I can't. I just can't. I can't find it in myself to really love them. If you have received the love of God, the love of Jesus, if you have received it, then in reality, you will always, always have love to give. If you've received it just a little bit, then you have a little bit to give. Because God is love. That is who He is. God is love. And He lives in you and He lives in me. And if we receive His love, and we love to receive love, don't we? Especially from God. Because He forgives too. He has an overabundance of love. And guess what? When you think that you are lacking in love, (laughs) go to the source. Go to the source where love dwells. Go there and and, and stay there until you receive more of that love so that you can give it out. Because freely you have received it and we are commanded to freely give that love. He says in in, in Romans 13, 8, For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. He who loves another has fulfilled the law. Now, as Christians, we should know that love is the law of Christ. And when we love, we fulfill the law of Christ. Love is the law of Christ. If you didn't know that, write that down somewhere. Love is the law of Christ. And when we love, we fulfill the law of Christ. But it's interesting that Paul in Romans 13 is not talking about the law of Christ here. He is saying that the law that we are to, that we are fulfilling when we love, he is talking about the law of Moses, which is really, really interesting. Because the law of Moses brought about death. Where the law of love of Christ brings about love or, or life. But he is claiming here that when we love, We are meeting the requirement even to the law of Moses. You see, it's interesting because Jesus was asked by a Pharisee who happened to be a lawyer. He came to him and he asked Jesus, and he was trying to trick him, test him. But he says, what is the great commandment? Which is the great commandment of all? And Jesus, instead of going to the Ten Commandments, he picks... He, he, he goes and he quotes Deuteronomy 6.5 and Leviticus 19.18. It says in Matthew 22, 37-40, he says, Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. 
Jesus didn't go, and, and it's interesting to me that he didn't go to the, the, the first and maybe last commandment of the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. And the last one is, you shall not cover. And those two would basically have covered this Pharisee's question, which, ones are the, which one is the greatest? If he would have said, well, do the first and the last and everything in between. But if you do the first and the last, you'll be okay. Don't have any other gods before you and do not covet. Because do not covet covers a plethora of things in your life. It covers so many things about do not covet. But he didn't go to the Ten Commandments. He went to another or other commandments that he had given to the children of Israel. And in Deuteronomy, he tells them, you need to love God with everything you've got. In Leviticus, he says, hey, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Paul does mention the last five commandments in verse 9 of Romans 13. Those were the social sections of the law, how we are to deal with people. The first five are how we deal with God. The last are how we deal with people, how we deal with others. And yet, Paul, as he, as he quotes the last five, he throws in there Leviticus 19.18 as well, where he says, and if there's any other commandment out there, it will be summed up in this one. He says, let me explain. No, let me sum up. He says, love, you shall love uh, your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And I love verse 10 of Romans 13. Guys, if I love it, you should underline it. You should underline it because it says this. Love has no harm or does no harm to a neighbor. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is a fulfillment of the law. Love does no harm to a, to a neighbor literally means love does not keep on working evil to its neighbor. You know why? Because it can't. Can't. Love cannot harm people. Love is the absence of evil. Evil brings about hatred. And hatred brings about hurt. In reality, all of us, every one of us, is capable of evil, hatred, and hurt. We all have it in us. <laughs> Even the little old lady who you think is really nice. Nope, she has it in her too. These little kids, once they start speaking, man, you know they're evil. <laughs> and they can hate just like the best of us. And they can hurt. <laughs> so we are all capable of evil, hatred, and hurt. But love in a person's life, the love of God in a person's life can do away with all of that. It can do away with all of it. It may not happen in other people's lives <laughs> because we can't change them or force them to love. But in us... <laughs> In yourself, love is able to overcome evil, hatred, and hurt. 
every time if you love. And you're going, oh, no, it doesn't. It's like, yeah, it does. It is possible. You may not want to do it, but it is possible. If you have the love of God in your life, you can overcome all those things, evil, hatred, and hurt. The law of Christ fulfills the law of Moses. Because Jesus, who is the very essence of love, of love, said that He came to fulfill the law in Matthew 5.17. He came to fulfill it. And if He came to fulfill it, and He lives in you, and He is love, guess what? Doesn't this sound so simple? I mean, it, it sounds so simple. All we have to do is love. That is the key to everything in our life. Jesus even said, said, by this you shall know that they are my disciples. By how they love one another. That's it. You would think I'd be done, but I'm not done. We're only halfway through. If that. For the Christian, love is what sets us apart. We are to exemplify what love is. Truly love. Not, the, not just to those who do love us, but to those who don't as well. So now let's go back to 1 John chapter 3. To some verses that are fastly becoming my favorite. As we're in John chapter 3, verse 11 says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Love is the, His commandment. And that is the key to be pleasing in his sight and to getting your prayers answered. He says in verse 22, and whatever you ask and whatever we ask, we receive from him. He is talking about getting your prayers answered. And this is what we all want, don't we? We all want our prayers answered. Be honest. <laughs> you want, every time you pray, every time you take time to pray, you want God to answer your prayer. If I know you like I know me, <laughs> I think I know you because I know me, we ask because we want to receive. We, we, well, maybe we might say this, Lord, and I know it's the Christian say, thing to do. If it is your will. But in reality, in the back of our minds going, if it is your will, because it is my will. So it should be your will. If it is my will. It, if, if it's your will, whether it's for yourself or for a friend or family, that you're going to pray this, whatever needs we have for us or for them, we want God to answer, and not just answer, but answer in our favor. <laughs> because when he says no, we, we can accept that going, geez, God, I've been trying to do everything right. Why aren't you answering it my way? And sometimes he does answer with just wait, and that one's like the killer. It's like, just give me a yes or a no right now, God, please. I can live with that, but just don't tell me to wait. But honestly, when we, when we pray, we want our prayers answered on our, in our favor. You know, there are several places in the Scriptures where we are told, ask, 
and uh, that, that if we ask, we will receive what we have asked for. I'm going to give you plenty of scriptures here. Write them down. And I know most of you guys are going, heck yes, because I want them. <laughs> I want to know where, where to ask. I'm just going to give you what John shares in his gospel and in this letter. But in John chapter 14, 13 and 14, John chapter 15, 7 and 16, and John chapter 16, verse 23. All those have something to do with ask and you shall receive. Here in John chapter 3, verse 22, and in John chapter 5, 14 and 15, if you didn't get them all, listen to the tape or listen on on the podcast and get them back or ask me afterwards, whatever. Now, for the most part, what all people want to hear is, tell me where these verses are so that I can go and ask. And that's where most people stop. Most people can get to verse 22 and, and where it says, and whatever you we ask, we receive. Stop. Right? Stop. Period. Exclamation mark. You know, it's like, let's not move on. Whatever You're telling me, Jesus, God, through your word, that whatever I ask, I will receive. That's where people stop. And they don't go any further. And all they want to do is ask, 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 ask. And yet, they never seem to receive. And they say this, Well, I asked and it didn't work for me. It never works for me. I always ask and nothing ever goes my way. But you see, there's always a caveat to that. There's always a qualification, a requirement that comes with asking. And there is always, always, and if or because close by that asking. Right here in this verse that we are covering, he says, and whatever you ask or whatever we ask, we receive from him, comma, because. Right? And all these other scriptures that I gave you, if you go there, there will be an if or because. Ask anything if. Ask anything because. Always close by. But see, most people just want to stop at the asking part. And they're saying, well, it's not working. You can ask all you want. And if you're not keeping His commandments and doing those things that are pleasing in His sight, you will never truly receive. Ever. You're never going to receive it. Not the way you think it should be received. Because when we ask and we think we don't receive it, it's probably because or if you haven't been doing the the rest of the verses. Honestly, guys, honestly. Peter said in 1 Peter 3, 8, that our prayers can and will be hindered if we are not doing what we've been commanded to do. Now, I know for you Bible students that are out there are saying, hey, wait a minute, man. He's just talking to the husband there. (laughs) I, I know that. But not keeping his commands does not discriminate when it comes to gender. I don't care who you are, male or female. If you are not keeping his commandments, 
your prayers are probably not going to be answered. <laughs> if we want to receive what we ask for, we need to habitually practice what is pleasing to God. And what and that and, and, and we need to be keeping his commandments continuously. No harder than that. But please don't get me wrong. I'm not here teaching and John is not saying that there is a magic potion, a silver bullet, a quick fix here to getting what you ask for. There is a cause and effect (laughs) that has to do with all of this that is practical, habitual, consistent obedience. Honestly, it's it's that simple. The cause and the fact is that there has to be this practical, habitual, consistent obedience in your life. Ugh. (laughs) People want the effect, the result, the outcome of what they ask for. But they don't want to be consistent in the cause, source, or basis that will bring that about That's the cause and effect there. You see, people will say, well, I've tried it. And it just didn't work for me. And what that tells me is that they are looking for a magic potion, a silver bullet, a quick fix to their matters. And it tells me you're probably not obedient on a consistent basis. That's, that's what, from what I read in the Scripture, when people are saying, I've tried it. Oh, really? <laughs> but you see, God don't play that game. Hey, why don't you try it, and maybe I'll come through for you. He doesn't say that. You see, it's not about trying it. And it's not about it working for you. It's about keeping His commandments consistently. It's about doing those things that are pleasing in His sight continuously. Always. Not just trying it for a week or a month or a year. It's this is your life as a Christian. Consistently. Continuously. And you will find (laughs) that He keeps His Word. He keeps His Word. You see, we do it because He first loved us and He laid down His life for us. Our response should be, whether we get our prayers answered or not, we should be doing it because He loves us and because we want to keep His commandment to love. That's the only reason we do it. If we get our prayers answered, right on. Thank you, Jesus. But if we don't, I still love you, Lord. Why? Because you've loved me. You've given me salvation. You've taken me from, li- from death to life. That's why I do it. Not so I can get my prayers answered. I love because He loves me. That's why I love. Not because I want something out of Him. But guess what? The cause and effect of that <laughs> is that when you ask, you receive stuff. But it's not for your glory. It's for His glory. 
Because we could ask for some crazy things. And God's going, dude, if I gave that to you, and he probably would call you dude at this time. Dude, if I gave you that, it would so destroy you. You don't even know what you're asking for. No, really, I do. <laughs> Try me. <laughs> Verse 23. And this, again, just, I mean, this one should be underlined too. And this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandments. That we should believe in him and love one another. That basically goes right back to when Jesus said, love God with everything and love others like you love you. Paraphrase. Now, this command is fairly simple. It's not complicated. Faith and love go together. And if you say, or if we say that we believe in, trust in, adhere to, and rely on Jesus Christ, the byproduct of that automatically has to be that you love one another. That's the byproduct of that. It automatically comes with Believing in Jesus Christ. That's a byproduct. This verse, verse 23, should give us confidence that what we asked for in the previous verse, we will get because we are keeping His commandments and we are pleasing in His sight. It's not because he is now obligated to give us what we ask for. It goes back to the cause and effect factor. <laughs> this is what Galatians 6, 7 through 10 says. Do not be deceived, God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those of the household of faith. That's the cause and effect. <laughs> Why do you suppose, though, he starts off in Galatians, this portion, by saying, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Because God don't play those games. He doesn't play games. That when you are saying, I'm doing this, he says, I know your heart, I know your motive behind it. He knows our hearts. He knows genuine when he sees genuine. And I love what the, how the Amplified just nails verse 7 of Galatians 6, 7 here, of verse 7. It says, this is what it says in the Amplified. Do not be deceived and deluded and misled. God will not allow himself to be sneered at, scorned, disdained, or mocked by mere pretensions and professions or by his precepts being set aside. He, man, inevitably uh, deludes himself who attempts to delude God. For whatever a man sows, that and that only is what he will reap. 
whoa. God is not mocked. We could play our games all stinking day long. And he will look at you and say, it's not genuine. He knows that. Guys, our hearts are deceitful. And sometimes, man, we can look so holy on the outside, man, and we're like dead man's bones inside, aren't we? That's harsh, man. It's harsh. I don't like to hear it either. If you say that you love God and that you believe in Jesus Christ and hate others, then you are lying and deceiving yourselves. And by and large, that's why it doesn't work for you. That's why it doesn't work for you, man. Because you say you do. You love God. Man, there are so many people you are at odds with. I know hate's a strong word. There are so many people you just don't like. Sounds a little simpler, huh? But it's still the same. It still means that you hate your brother. And like we've read in 1 John here, and you know that, that Cain, he murdered his brother because his works were evil, because he worked for the evil one. And every time we don't love, we're doing what Satan wants us to do. Simple as that. Simple as that. <laughs> you see, God cannot go back on his commandments that he's already set in place. And you and I are no exceptions. And if it's not working for you, then love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love everybody like you love yourself. Easy as that. Easy as that. And don't get weary in doing that. Because in due season you will reap what you have sown. It works. How is it that it just doesn't work for you? Come on. (laughs) How is it that it does not work for you? Because there's so many people, it's like, well, it just never works for me. Whatever. Are you doing His commandments? Oh, you got to read? It's like, oh. yeah, yeah. Read and do it. Read and do it. Don't read it to memorize it. Read it to do it. Romans 13.10, once again, where it says, Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Love does not keep... Literally means this. Love does not keep on working evil to its neighbor. Now he who keeps his commandments, verse 24, now he who keeps his commandments abides in him. If we keep his commandments, we abide in Jesus and Jesus abides in us. And by this we know that he abides in us by the spirit whom he has given us. Here's the proof, the evidence that Jesus is in our hearts. Here's the effect that it is actually going on because the Holy Spirit will make it evident to you by His fruit. And His fruit is love. Galatians six twenty-two and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, singular, The fruit of the Spirit is love. Here's a byproduct of that fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Love, joy, peace. Or joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And there is no law against it because 
The law of Moses is fulfilled in the law of Christ, which is love. You want your prayers answered? (laughs) Be consistent in keeping his commandments and doing those things that are pleasing in his sight. I asked Jim to cut one song in the beginning and add it at the end so we can have a longer time to digest what the Word of God has just shared with us. And this is what I've asked Gary to do. Hey, call some of my leaders to be up here, prayer teams, individuals, so that as we're singing these songs, God is permeating and and, and challenging you in love and where you're at. And all I can do is offer my leaders to be up here to pray for you. But it's up to you if you come up for prayer. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for your word once again, Lord God. To be able to go through it, Lord God, in my heart, Lord, is that I did it justice for our people, Lord. That they would understand, Lord God, this cause and effect, this reaping and sowing that your word tells us about, Lord. That we say we love you, Lord, and yet it's hard for us to love people. And we're in sin, Lord. And I pray that there would be repentance right now there would be repentance in our hearts. And I know that we could just sit there, Lord, and ask for, for forgiveness, and you forgive us, Lord. But Father, for many of these people here, you want them to make, take that step. <laughs> take that step, Lord. Come and ask for prayer. Lord, don't let the enemy deceive today. Free them up, Lord. Free them. Lord, if there's somebody here who doesn't know you, Lord God, they've never experienced your love, Lord. Lord, bring them to life today. That they would come out of their seats, Lord God, and talk to somebody up here and say, I need Jesus, that's what I need. But for my brothers and sisters, Lord, as well, Lord, that they would humble their hearts as they digest this message, Lord, and be challenged. So thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.